I'm walking all alone down my yellow brick road and I stomp to the beat of my own drum. Got my pockets full of dreams and they're busting at the seams Going boom, boom, boom To my own song Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse. A podcast to feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that can make us all be encouraged. Want to hear what makes these women passionate and to get up in the morning or what they wish they'd known earlier in their lives? Grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. And a whole lot of things that I want to be. All I got to do is count one, two, three. To my own drum. Whatever you do, it ain't nothing on me. Cause I'm doing my thing and I hold the key to all my wants and all my dreams. Well, today I am here with Mandy Fortner, and I am in the State Farm office because this is Mandy's office. Um, She is an insurance agent and probably has more of a title than that, so I'm going to turn it over to Mandy and let her officially introduce herself. So I am Mandy Fortner, and um, I have been a State Farm agent for eight years this August, Um, It's interesting, as a State Farm agent, a lot of people associate State Farm agents with um, insurance. Um, State Farm has uh, started to ask uh, State Farm agents to acquire different licensing. And the reason is, is because we we have such a competitive marketplace, they've asked us to get our Series 6, 63, and 65, um, which qualifies us to be a financial advisor and to help people with retirement planning and mutual funds. And so we can talk about that later if you'd like to, but it's um, it's added a lot more to our plate in the amount of learning and education that we have to acquire and um, just product development and development with helping people with their um, portfolio, with their retirement planning. Another license that they ask us to um get is uh, the mortgage loan originator license and that is to help with mortgages and um, this year State Farm is partnering with Quicken Loans and Rocket Mortgage so um, I have not yet signed up to be with them I have not yet taken the training but I will by the end of this year and so in 2020 I will actually be a 1099 employee for Quicken mortgage and I will be doing different types of loan products so it's a lot of hats to juggle and to wear now as a State Farm agent some State Farm agents choose not to get these licenses I have several very dear friends who've been State Farm agents for over 20 years or maybe not as long or maybe longer who've decided that they don't want to get into the securities industry And they do not want to originate mortgages um, because that's not something that they would like to do. So State Farm right now has given us the freedom to choose if we want to uh, acquire those licenses. And so that's a blessing. But they're encouraging us to do it, of course, because we live in such a competitive industry. Um, It helps with retention for current customers. And um, it helps us to meet more needs for our current customers. You can be more of a one-stop shop right what would be the advantage to having a mortgage I mean you're working it as a third party basically right that's what I will be doing okay Um, so currently um, I've been a mortgage loan originator for six years with State Farm Bank State Farm Bank is ending the mortgage industry this year Um, State Farm is getting out of the mortgage industry, which is why we're partnering with Quicken Loans. So the advantage, I would say, would be that um, you know me. uh, Our customers know me, hopefully, um, most of them, and um, they're working with somebody that they trust. Um, Interest rates are very regulated 
And so you're pretty much going to look at, you know, your, you know, if you trust somebody, your experience, how quickly they can close the loan, you're going to look at the origination fee Um, that can vary amongst banks, but interest rates are going to pretty much be standardized. So the benefit would be, you know, you come to insure your home and then you also are right here with me and I can help talk you through a mortgage product and make sure that I unpack it so that it makes sense to you. That's a very big purchase, a very big decision. And a lot of times it can be become cumbersome. So hopefully as a state farm agent, I'm adding value and, um, to, to your home buying process. Wow. So how many people are in your office? who work who in our work office currently. Yeah. Um, I have four full-time team members and I'm currently hiring for another full-time team member. And do they specialize in these products or is it um, pretty much all under you? So I, the only licenses that I have that they do not have are the series six, 63 and 65, which allows me to help people with securities products or mutual funds. And then the mortgage license we just talked about. Everybody else in the office has life and health license or property and casualty license, which is your home, auto, boat, life insurance, health insurance, your normal standard insurance product products. What would you say to the person that says, I don't need insurance? Um, well, uh, some insurance, you don't have a choice. You have to have it. So I would ask them, um, can you tell me more about that? Like, so, you know, because some people may not need insurance, an insurance product. So I would be curious to, to uncover what exactly they mean when they say that statement. What are they thinking about? Um, because it is true, some people may not need a certain insurance product. And so I would just like to kind of delve deeper into talking about what exactly it is that they're meaning. Some people want to self-insure for some things, um, like a personal articles policy. Somebody may not want to put their ring or their collectible on a personal articles policy, which it would insure it. They might want to self-insure it and take that risk. So it would basically be, are you willing to take on that risk yourself, or would you like to shift that risk to the insurance company? Okay. So you graduated from college, and did you land straight into State Farm? I did not. I went to Mississippi College in Clinton, Mississippi. I have a degree in biology. Um, My career path... I wasn't expecting that. That's right. My career path was I was hoping to be a physician. Um, I chose differently to become a State Farm agent. Um, That's another story how I got along that path. But in college, on Saturdays, I was in the lab studying. I had to work really, really hard, um, but I'm grateful for my experience. But I have a degree in biology. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So um, right before we started, we talked about some of the little items that are on your desk that have memories wrapped up in them that kind of started with your career. So tell me about some of those little trinkets, maybe the silver block particularly. Um, Really, the trinkets that I have on my desk to me are, um, how can I say this? They remind me of the strong women that I have had across the course of my life and people who have invested in me and who have taught me um, to think higher, um, to see things on a deeper level. And um, I, I guess I would just say to be stronger. So the silver box that you mentioned, um, uh, when I became a new agent, there the person who was over me um, gave me a silver box, and it's got um, four words on it. And he talked to me. One, the four words are quality, integrity, uh, attitude, and teamwork. I think that's four words. One, two, three, four. Um, and so he just talked to me about the importance of what it is to, um, to be somebody who is quality. It's got substance, has integrity and honesty is the best policy. The other trinkets on my desk, I worked for a really strong state farm agent in Raymond, Mississippi. Her name was Jane Clink. She was actually a CPA before she chose for a second career to be a state farm agent. And, um, I learned from her what it is to, um, have a, really have a backbone. Um, I listened to her interact with customers and, um, she was one to speak the truth and, um, not be taken advantage of. And, um, she just epitomizes to me a strong woman. Those are great. I mean, every that's when you're struggling through a day, that's a great reminder to keep going. And, Mm -hmm. um, so placement for 
little ways to keep you going in the day pretty significant in your life mm-hmm. um you have a pretty good foundation um take me back to childhood i know that you didn't grow up in the city so what was growing up like for you what i remember growing up is having two parents that were incredibly hard workers um they my dad is 69 my mom is 67 they're both retired and they both probably could work outwork me in circles even now in retirement they are every day working hard um so my mom was a state farm agent and she was an agent for 34 years and she went to work every day at eight o'clock and she didn't leave till five until the day that she retired her work ethic was incredible she was raised in a, a very impoverished family um and so i think that that ingrained in her this strong work ethic same for my dad he has a very very strong work ethic so my childhood growing up was watching my parents um work we did have family dinner most every night um my mom and dad were both very present growing up i have an older brother who is 10 years older than me i think that they were a little bit more present with me than they were for him because of building career and um, building building family, but um, a different stage in life. A different stage in life is exactly right. Yeah. Um, I did grow up in the country. Uh, we had um, I had rabbits. We had animals. Um, I, I had a, I had a very sweet childhood. I would say it wasn't perfect. Um, but I'm very grateful for, um, the parents that I had. I had, um, great grandmothers, both sets of grandmothers were, um, strong influences in my life and, uh, played a role. I was very close with both of them. I still miss them. They, they both passed away. So, um, again, didn't have a perfect childhood, but I feel like I had a, um, a very blessed childhood and I'm grateful for the opportunities that I had. What was discipline like in your household? You probably never got in trouble. Um, You probably never did anything wrong. You know, my thought, and that's certainly not true. um, (laughs) I can think of um, several um, conversations, especially as a teenager, that would still cause me pain. But, you know, really, um, so I mentioned that I have a brother. He's 10 years older than me. And um, uh, I think he made decisions that um, were hurtful hurtful to our family at times and so growing up I watched that so it created in me a strong desire to want to please my mom and dad and um, not um, make some decisions that would cause them pain and so I think that that in and of itself was a motivator yeah Yeah, I can see that happen in families it's the older ones kind of make a path that it, it, it gives a chance for the younger ones to learn from some younger ones don't learn from but uh, but I can see how that could play out so um, you mentioned earlier that your mom was a state farm agent so do you think that influenced you in making the decision to to go this route so because she was a state farm agent i didn't want to be a state farm agent because Mm -hmm. i'm independent and i wanted to do something differently the thing that i could define was that i wanted to help people and i know that's so broad and general and there's so many different ways that you can help people but i felt like the best way that you could help somebody was to heal them mentally and physically And um, I always loved science and biology. Um, I equally love history and English, but I did, I I loved school. So um, I, I, so in in high school, I would do um, health camps. I would volunteer at doctor's offices Um, one summer. I shadowed a doctor all summer. And so that I went to Mississippi College. They have a strong pre-med program to pursue medicine. Um, What caused me to change my mind was I went, went on a business meeting with my mom Uh, She was a state farm agent at the time, of course, and I met a physician. Her name is Dr. Frana Marino. She's a state farm agent currently in Florida, and she chose for a second career to become a state farm agent. And I believe that I was sitting at her table for a reason. Um, My mom was sitting at the table, and I was at the table as well. And she introduced herself as Dr. Frana Marino, and I, I said, did you say doctor? Most state farm agents are not physicians. And so she kind of shared her story, and um, at the and I was at this point I had taken the MCAT once. I was studying to take it a second time. So again, I brought my MCAT books on this trip, 
And, um, and I said, why, you know, how long have you been a doctor? And, um, and I believe it was, I may have this wrong. It's been so long since I've talked to her, but it was like nine to 12 years. And so she, um, you know, obviously done the whole thing. And, um, she said that she chose, uh, to become a state farm agent because she could help people, but she could also be a wife and a mother. And, um, that it had become a, um, a struggle to spend the time with her daughter to help her daughter do homework. And it really touched my heart. And that whole night, um, I struggled with sleep and I thought, I don't even want to do this. You know, I don't know who wants to sell insurance. Right. And, um, I, I just, so long story short, I made a decision that I would, and so mom and dad talked to me and they said, Mandy, you would, you would, you know, you have such strong desires to be a wife and a mother. You can help people in this way. It's so fulfilling. So I went to work for a state farm agent, not my mom on purpose, um, because I wanted to do it on my own. Not that you ever do anything on your own. We need God's help to accomplish anything, but, um, went to work for a state farm agent, um, for a year. I had a really challenging experience there. Um, I, uh, ended up going to work for this, a second state farm agent. And uh, Jane, the agent that I referenced, the second agent, had an incredible experience, learned a lot of life lessons, worked for her for two years, loved it, felt fulfilled. I was so happy um, and then decided to become a State Farm agent. And this is where I am. Wow. So life does have its twists and turns and, and you land ultimately where you need to be. And I'm actually happier in the business arena. I had no idea. I feel um, I love the aspect of leading a team. Um, It's just awesome developing and coaching people, um, building those relationships. And I love, I never thought that I would thrive learning about, um, as you can tell earlier, I was talking probably too much about products, but um, I just, I love the, the, I love the business side of it, whether it's managing a business or helping somebody with a mortgage. Um, I enjoy it. And so I actually feel like it's a better fit. Also looking back, um, I dated a guy in um, college who had Crohn's disease and, um, that was very, very, I'm very, um, compassionate and tenderhearted. And I don't know that being a doctor, Uh, If I could have really even, um, I guess you develop the mental toughness. I have a lot of friends who are physicians and nurses and who are able to manage it. But I feel like it would have been very difficult for me to be able to have separated um, all that you, you know, see your patients walk through. And so I do feel like being in the business arena is a better fit for how I'm made up as well. So, yeah. Well, but then you wind up with tragedy that can hit in, in dealing with the insurance world. Have you had an experience that just rocked your world and you've had to to help somebody out or or coverage wasn't there and should have been or just some experience that may have just really impacted you in in whatever way? In 2016, we had a lady whose house burned down. And uh, when we got the call, we were actually able to go there. The house was actually still on fire. The fire trucks were there. That was really hard. Um, but this is an awesome opportunity to be able to walk through those things with people and provide a check at the scene and uh, patients. We've also had some people who um, had a life policy on a family member and they died and we were able to talk with that family through that. To me, the hardest thing is getting to know people and loving people and watching them lose a child, um, go through a divorce. You never would have thought would have happened. And, um, those are like the day-to-day life things are really heartbreaking and really hard. Um, one of the, the awesome things about, um, insurance versus medicine, if you prescribe a medication or make a decision, you can alter somebody's life for the rest of their lives. Um, a lot of what we do here, um, you know, if, you can I'm trying to think of the, the 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 correct and proper way to say this, but um, there's a lot that we can do that to make sure that people are taken care of. So if if somebody forgot to add a vehicle, you know, coverage will automatically extend for two weeks. So there's there's a lot of um, uh, of, of ways that we can make sure that we're taking care of people. Whereas if somebody didn't take a medication two weeks ago, it could, it could really, you know, be a life or death situation. Um, as far as, um, has there ever been coverage there when somebody, you know, wanted it? Um, thankfully 
I'm sure we've had situations like that in our agency, but it would be something minimal, like somebody thought they had rental car and they didn't. So one of the things that the agent that I worked for taught me being a CPA in her uh, former profession was to make really, really good notes and to talk to people, be thorough about talking to people, meet with people, you know, make sure that they understand their coverages at every point of interaction. So by doing that and making good notes, it really helps. Yeah. You kind of cover people in conversation. Right. So, so what I keep hearing you say is conversation, relationship. So those evidently are pretty important traits in, in your profession. So personally, they are probably important to you too. Mm -hmm. So you're not a loner. Mm-hmm. You like to be around people. Right. And interact. I do. So what do you do away from the office? Um, if I had an hour by myself, I would love to read. Um, I've always enjoyed reading. I am an extrovert, but I'm an introvert and in that I get my energy from being alone and quiet. I have a two-year-old at home, so quiet time comes. Um, <laughs> it's, it's minimal. Yeah. You know, we are wide open. And I also think that I'm sure my little girl is like most two-year-olds, but she's wide open. She is not a calm child by any stretch of the imagination. And so um, I enjoy reading. Um, I love anything outdoors. I love to travel, uh, probably just normal things. I love to watch movies. Um, so, but, but I, I, the, the immediate thing that comes to my mind is I, I love to read. Yeah. So becoming a mother was huge for you. Um, you went through a lot of thought processes of, of becoming a mother. Anything you can think of that has been, um, a treasure that maybe you'd like to share with other young moms or or couples that are planning to become parents. And are these working moms or are these any moms working? Whoever you might have something to share with. Um, so we're all made differently and created differently. Um, for me, um, I had a so I'm a I'm a worker. I think I get it from my parents. Um, Ruby was our little girl's name is Ruby. She was breech, and so I knew that I was going to have to have a C-section. So we had a scheduled C-section at one o'clock. I came into the office the morning of and worked, <laughs> and um, I made myself have a six-week maternity leave. Um, I was I could have come back probably after a week and a half just because of the drive to accomplish things or get things done but I made myself stay home for six weeks and I treasured that and it was precious um I am a better mom because I work because I feel like it helps me have focused time so when I see her you know I'm I'm ready to see her I am focused I really admire the moms who are able to stay home and take care of their child I think it's just I think it's a gift I think it's sweet so I guess the thing that I would say that I treasure the most with Ruby is just the the intentional time that I have with her and I want to give her the best that I've got even though that is imperfect and um I think there is and again I only have one child and she's two so it's not like I have a lot of experience but um I think that um speaking life over her and speaking words over her um when we dedicated her at church um the lady at our church um came in to meet with my husband and I and she said I want you to get together I thought what does she want to meet with us for and she said I want you to write words separately that you hope Ruby becomes character traits write them separately and then get together you and Josh my husband's name is Josh and see if any of your words together were the same and if they were why and just come up with like eight or nine words and so we did and then I had them painted on a sign with her name in the middle and some people do similar things like this I've heard of this before and it's hanging over her crib, and she hasn't figured out how to crawl out of the crib yet. It's awesome. <laughs> and um, and Enjoy so it while you can. That's right. And so um, most every day, I try to every morning say, and especially now she's really starting to comprehend things. I say, Ruby, you know, did you know that you're going to grow up and you're going to be loyal, you're going to be diligent, you're going to be honest, you're going to be trustworthy. And so we just, I just kind of try to speak these words over her. And I hope that that will help, you know, one day we can talk through what they mean, but also it helps give us vision and perspective of what we're trying to accomplish so that when we lose our patience or we're tired, we can remember that it is intentional and purposeful. Very good. I like that. Um, t- 
Tom used to tell me, and I think he's quite right on this, that um, whatever traits we see in our children as they're young, those are there as they grow up. And a lot of times they may be the characteristics that rub me the wrong way or push my buttons or whatever, but it's the those exact traits are the ones that they need so desperately to get through whatever they face. But I love the intentionality that you seem to have. Um, is Josh the same same way? Um, and, and did you have to coach each other on parenting or did you just have a natural So, you fit? know, I, I do have a comment about what you said about those characteristics. So I want to come back to that because I just recently read Unbroken, um, the story about um, Louis Zamperini, the Olympic runner. And I'll come back to that in a second. But um, as far as with Josh, he um, was raised by a single mom. And so it's been interesting how much he has taken seriously being a dad because he grew up without one. And, um, and so he shared experiences when it was like dad day at school, you know, he didn't have anybody come and, um, and, and he did have a, a, an active grandfather in his life. And I think Papa came to as much as he could, but he was working, he was a state trooper. And so, um, he has been amazing. I feel like he, he, he has stepped in in a huge way, but part of it has been because he wants to be a dad. He, he, he doesn't want Ruby to have, um, for, he, he wants to be a dad because he, he did, he didn't have one there. Um, so you mentioned about those, uh, those character traits that, um, that are in a child that can sometimes be that you're, that Mr. Tom, um, mentioned. It's interesting because if anybody's read the book Unbroken, I can't think of the author, but it, again, it's about Louis Zamperini, the Olympic runner. But the book starts out with him as a child. He was he was just difficult, and he was into everything, and he stole, and he was clever. And um, anyway, he ended up being a prisoner of war. Fast forward, but it was it was interesting. Some of the things that he you know, struggled with as a child were some of the very skill sets. He was able to steal food in the middle of the night, or he was able to survive on that raft for however many, many months that they were out at sea because of some of his stubborn traits and some of his uh, problem solving skills that caused his mama all kind of problems when she was whenever he was growing up, but some of the way that he was designed and created are the very things that helped him to survive and to make it and to be tough to make it through as a prisoner of war. Um, and so anyway, so when you're saying that just reminded me of that. Well, and you know, you have your children when they're two years old, you blink and they're 20 years old. And so we only have a certain amount of time to influence, but I think they influence us too. Have you noticed that Ruby has, influenced and changed your lives a a bit uh yes um (laughs) you know I'm trying to think um I lost a lot of sleep it took her forever to sleep through the night um what'd you do with that I mean you still had to go to work how'd you handle that uh Josh and I split it into shifts um, bringing Josh in. Um, one thing that has been a huge blessing is Josh and I are opposites. Um, I'm a morning person to the core. He is a night owl. And so um, we figured out quickly that we had to split it into shifts and um, I bottle fed her. So that was helpful. And um, so I would, you know, go to bed from this time to this time. And then so we, we did it in shift. We did shift work. So he was amazing. Have you ever had to deal with any mommy guilt? Of course. Um, I think every mom does. Um, I, I will say that um, I am, am blessed in that my mom kept, right now I've got um, a lady who keeps Ruby and also my mom. They kind of half it. So every day, for the most part, I didn't, I didn't see her today. Sometimes I have appointments. I get to see Ruby at lunch. And then I see Ruby in the morning. And then at night, I'm very, one of the reasons why I chose to be a State Farm agent so that I could be home at 530. Um, I try really hard not to commit to organizations or be on a board of something that has to meet after hours. I'm in a rotary club that meets at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, So that, you know, helps. But so I try really, really hard to see her every day at lunch and then to be home at night. So, but of, of course I do, you know, um, I've had, but I, I it, but it's, 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 I would say that it's, it's low, um, because I've really tried to make it a priority to spend time with her, 
um, and make it intentional and not commit to things. In fact, you told me that one time, Amy, you said, um, you know, when you have children, make sure that you schedule events during the time that they have events so that outside of that, you're spending time with them. So I really, you know, I really try to keep the mommy guilt to a minimum by making sure I'm spending time with her, making her a priority. You know what, you know what guilt I've had more of? his time with Josh um because oftentimes you know and this is you know sometimes oftentimes Ruby comes before Josh and that's not the right order right because when Ruby graduates one day you know it's just gonna be me and Josh Josh and I and so you know you you know I hear the stories about you look at each other when the kids are gone and you think you know who are you and where have you been the last 18 years um and so lately um i've been really praying through and trying to figure out a rhythm of rest and priorities and um you know date nights with josh and so um last night josh and i my mom and dad kept ruby and um josh and i went to olive garden and then we went take a walk so the mom and me thought well we'll just skip the walk and then we need to get home to ruby you know because you got bath time routine and story time you know you know the whole you know the whole thing right and i hadn't seen her um and so but i thought i also haven't spent time with josh and ruby gets a lot of my time so i would almost say that more mommy guilt is than josh guilt to make sure that i'm spending the right amount of time and josh is very um selfless and so he's not one to complain and so it's just a matter of making sure that I'm keeping you know you know Josh is more important than Ruby they're both super important but to make sure that I'm you know being a wife and not just a mother and that's tough balance but I'll tell you too one of my perspectives on that is that because I see Tom invest in the children then that kind of equates to a relationship of me with Tom um, because he's putting as much value into the same thing I'm putting value in. And and it's almost like, like that triangle of, you know, if you've got God at the top and then each person's at the corner and you're rising up together, then you're toward growing toward God, then you're growing closer together. I think that's true with children too. If you've got the children there and you're both investing in the child, you're growing closer together because you're coming through the child. Um, I don't know if that's my rationalization because mm-hmm. I'll put more into my children mm-hmm. than my relationship to, but, um, but I, it's, it's a balance. Life mm-hmm. is a balance, but you and Josh work together. We do. So you guys are together a lot. Is that hard? You know, it's interesting. We do work together, but yet, um, there's so much to do in the office. Um, so today he's actually off today, but, um, there will be days that I don't even see him. Um, he's working on so many different things. I'm working on so many different things that, um, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't really feel like we work together. Um, sometimes as odd as that sounds, and I think it's because we're all so busy, um, that it really doesn't even feel like that. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of sounds crazy to explain. Um, but do you have to draw the lines and go, okay, works at work? We do. Um, I, I think probably, so Josh and I have been married 10 years. And um, when we first started this, we started this agency scratch in 2011. And so we started with zero policies. And wow. so whenever we started and we moved here from, I'm from Louisiana, went to school in Mississippi. And we moved here from Mississippi, so didn't know anybody, no friends, no family. Um, it was definitely a risk. And so when we started, we, you know, I've heard of couples who tried to work together and it didn't work out. So when we started, we talked about, you know, obviously our marriage is more important than a business. And if it didn't work out, then he'd go do, you know, something else. Um, he has a degree in computer science. Um, but, um, I think twice in the eight years that we've been here after work, one of, one or both of us started talking about business and it was just like, I can't do it. You know, I I did it all day. Like I can't do it. And so I really, I think twice, I I can remember two specific conversations where it was like, Josh, I, I just can't talk about it. I'm sorry. Um, one of the things about Josh that I, um, is that he, I, I can be stubborn and I can be combative and, um, he, I can't imagine that. Oh, well, he is, um, so I think if I'd have married somebody who was equally stubborn and combative, yeah. it would not have been good, but, um, he's very mature and, um, laid back 
and so um and so he's you know so anyway he's he's I'm very I'm very grateful that he's got those qualities and he helps me to want to be more like that but anyway so best in you he does. Um, he does. Um, but you know, it's interesting. My, um, so Josh's mom was a single mom and she married Chris, Josh's stepdad, whenever, um, Josh was 18. So what's interesting, he recently just passed away actually. And I learned more about Chris in these last couple of months than, um, I've known him in the 10 years that I've been married to Josh. So Chris was very, um, calm and steady and level-headed, um, not impulsive or he was slow to anger and miss marcia josh's mom recently mentioned to me that josh a lot of josh's personality she met chris when josh was like 16 but again they got married when they were 18 and a lot of josh's personality came from watching chris interact with miss marcia and so i thought to myself i didn't realize that i had chris josh's stepdad to thank for some of those qualities. I just didn't realize that until recently. Unfortunately, he died of a heart attack. He was 54. Oh, wow. Sad. Mm -hmm. Very sad. Mm -hmm. Well, 16 would be an age that... Impressionable. You could sure go either way. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. That is something to be quite grateful for. And Josh has a kind heart. But I think, um, and Miss Marsha again pointed this out, watching him interact with her, his mom, helped shape who Josh is. And I never realized that until recently. It was interesting. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, you have some talents that you decided to pursue later in life. Um, you started playing the piano back a couple of years ago. I did. Tell me about that. Uh, Amy's smiling right now because she's been to one of my recitals that was probably painful for her no, to sit through. No, it was delightful. <laughs> it was not painful at all. Um, so whenever I was a little girl, I took the piano and I think everybody's probably got this story. And the first piano teacher I had, I loved her and she was awesome. And then, um, we moved and second piano teacher was not my favorite and I stopped taking. Um, my mom is my best friend and, um, she loves the piano. And so as an adult, um, I thought that I would start practicing and playing again, just kind of as a, um, just just kind of an outlet, you know, I mentioned, notice I didn't mention piano earlier when you asked about what I like to do in my free time. Um, <laughs> cause my, my deepest desire is to be able to have more time to read. I love to learn. I love to go to museums and, and just learn and read. This year we went to Washington DC. That was what we did for our 10 year anniversary. Oh, and I love going to museums and reading about world war two. And just, I'm a, I guess I'm a nerd at heart, but I love to learn. But anyway, and so a lot of music is learning and, um, I do enjoy music. It is an outlet. And, um, so, um, that's just kind of a, a an extra hobby on the side. Um, I'm certainly not accomplished. Uh, we had an exchange student in our home two years ago who was an accomplished pianist. And so to hear her play the piano is amazing. Um, that oh, was wow. incredible. Okay, talk about the exchange student. That was quite a task yeah. to take on. I mean, you guys are... That was before Ruby. Before that was in Ruby. 2016. Ruby was born yeah. in 17, and uh, Ines came to us in 16. So, so um, what made you do this? I would say you and Mr. Tom um, oh, get credit for that. <laughs> uh, so I'm in the Rotary Club with Amy's husband, Tom, and there was a, what was it called? The Youth Exchange Program. Mm-hmm. And we, um, Amy and Tom hosted the male students from South Korea. And we hosted the female students. I don't know if they were all from South Korea. The, the female students were from South Korea in our home. I don't know where yours were from, but okay. it may have been a couple of different places. I think, did y'all have three males? Um, I believe there mm-hmm. were three. Yeah. And um, we had two of the females, and they were only in our home for a couple of days. Um, I'm trying to remember their names. Mile Bok was one of them. And uh, I can't remember the other young lady's name. That was, you know, again, I don't know, 2014 or something. A while ago. Yes, free children. That's right. And uh, we loved it. We loved the um, culture that we experienced while they were in our home. Uh, We just thought, we just loved it. And it kind of planted a seed in our heart that we wanted to host an exchange student before we had a child. So... Um, we did in 2016, we hosted a, she, when she came to it, her name was Ines and she's from Spain, um, and could speak five languages, brilliant young lady, accomplished pianist. She was going to high school and also to a music school. She came to us at 15, turned 16 while she was over here and she lived in our home for about 10 months. Wow. And did it open your world? It did. Um, um, very different customs, um, very different um, backgrounds. 
um, when she came here, um, just was very open and honest. We appreciated it that um, she was an atheist. And I think she would tell you to this day that um, when she came here, she was an atheist. And um, she would also um, tell us in the beginning that she did not believe in marriage. And um, she had different worldviews and ideas on things. Um, and um, I learned that my patient, you know, they say, you know, out of the wellspring of the heart, the mouth speaks. And um, you learn what's inside the cup when the cup is bumped, you know, what, what spills out of the cup. So I learned that um, my patience was um, minimal <laughs> and um, that I had a lot to grow in and to learn. And um, I'll never forget, I think it was probably her, uh, maybe it was like her sixth week in her home and she kept hurting my feelings. And I just thought, God, you know, and so finally, the way I kind of got through to her for us to be able to establish a stronger relationship and go forward was I sat her down. And I asked her, I said, Ines, would you be softer with me? And I said, I, I need you to be softer. And what it is in her culture, there was no, and I, I tried, and this just like blew her mind. And I tried to explain to her that where we are in the South, there's levels of respect. So like a teacher would have respect. Um, a parent would have respect. And even though I wasn't her parent, you know, a, a person that's older than you we would respect them. So we had to kind of explain what that is. And so where she was from, you know, you talk to, so she said, you know, you talk to your parent, a teacher, you know, equally straight, very strong. And so, so I asked her um, in that conversation if she would be softer with me and she was, and then all of a sudden we kind of had some ground to work off of. And it's just, I learned a lot about communication and a lot about pick your battles and, um, I learned how strong Josh was because all of a sudden, remember how I mentioned that, you know, if I'd married somebody yeah, headstrong and stubborn, so, yeah. well, I got one in my home, you know, yeah. when we were head to head yeah. and how to, um, manage it. And, uh, I say manage it, how to, how to interact with a teenager. Another thing about Ines was six months before she came into her home, both of her parents got divorced oh, or her wow. parents got divorced. And so she was a, um, a hurting, broken, um, child. And, um, very far away from the situation. Yes. Strange. And you know, one of the words that I put on Ruby's board that I mentioned earlier was brave. And I did that in Ines's honor because I have never met a more brave individual in my life than that girl, than Ines. She was so brave. And you know, part of speaking different languages is when you want to express something, but you it's hard to say it. So I think anybody who speaks different languages knows what I'm saying, but she so bad sometimes would want to express what she was saying, but she couldn't get it out. And just the bravery to go to a high school to have to speak English, even to live with a host mom who was totally different from you. Um, the amount of bravery that that girl had to have all the whole time that she was in our um, home blew me away. There's not anything that she can't accomplish. And I hope that one day she'll be working in one of our embassies or um, she's going to college in Madrid. I can't tell you the name of it because it's this big, long Spanish name, um, but um, she hopes to make a difference in the world, and I hope that her time in our home was instrumental and will make a difference for the good in the world. Oh wow, I could imagine that it it would. I hope so. And and it prepped you for motherhood. Um, you don't know what will come and what how you'll have to process information and. I will tell you that I had to apologize a lot with Ines, and um, and even just like. I'm sorry that I overreacted or I'm sorry that I handled this this way. And one thing that I feel confident about, confident about was that um, she knew that we loved her. So amidst our imperfections, and there were many, uh, but the same thing, though, she was imperfect in our home. But we loved her even though she was imperfect. And so to be able to, you know, love is the same language. Right. And it's amazing how it can be felt and it's amazing how it can be communicated across barriers and different backgrounds and cultures. And so it, 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 that was a neat exchange that she saw us be imperfect and she still loved us through our imperfections. And then yet she knew that she was imperfect, but we still loved her. That was yeah. that that would be a thing that I would take away from Ruby is no matter what she does or how bad she is that day or that moment. I'm going to love her no matter what. And I have found that I need people to love me even when I'm not perfect. Um, I recently was unkind to my mom and my dad. 
I was tired, stressed, not doing a real good job at the balancing thing. Um, I didn't even know what the word, I Googled it. I was like, what does rest mean? And so I mentioned a rhythm of rest, which is what I'm currently walking through. But I was unkind um, to my parents because I was operating not out of a place of rest. And so afterwards I felt um, guilt and sadness because that's the last thing I would want to do would be to hurt my mom and dad. And um, where was I going with that? So I asked my mom, and I didn't have to ask her this, but I just said, I need you to love me even when I'm not perfect um, because I can't be perfect, even though I'd like to. I know I can't be perfect, but even when I'm not at my best. And yeah. so I would say that with Ruby, I'm going to love her just like my mom and dad do too, but I'm going to love her even when she's unlovable and even when she's not perfect. And I hope to be able to communicate that with her well as she gets older. And you probably will have to because it is, uh, we have a saying in our family where we're constantly saying, I will never intentionally hurt you. I will hurt you, but realize that it was unintentional. Mm -hmm. And um, if you know Tom as well as you do, um, and for the audience, there's not a bone in his body that is intentionally going to hurt someone, say something ill, or not think far enough ahead to want to have the best for them. So he has to lay that out constantly. I'm not going to hear you right. I'm not going to react right. I'm not going to even perceive what you're trying to tell me. And so we just kind of lay it out there to start with. And we've had to apologize many, many times um, to our children. And probably the toughest thing we have to do is stand in the corner and go, you know, signal to one another, stop, don't say that, you know, trying to warn off whatever the other one's about to say. And, um, and that's tough. But part of growing yourself is opening up to, to someone like an exchange student, like someone from a completely different world. Um, how'd you handle the religion aspect? I mean, did you just decide to step away from that and just live your faith? I mean, you couldn't really be in her face with it. And, um, and you know, to a degree, I, I st- even though she's not in our home, I, I still feel like I have to be careful um, because her both of her parents are atheists. And, um, I, you know, they talk a lot about it. I, I heard this morning... Um, a sermon uh, by Crawford, uh, Pastor Crawford, Crawford Loritz about one of the things right now in America are children that are raised to conform, but the truth is not embedded in their hearts. And so they go to college, but they, they fall away from their faith, but yet they, they, they've conformed, they know how to act, but it's just not deeply embedded and ingrained. And so, you know, how that's exactly right. It's not a heart thing. And, um, so, um, with the program that we're in, you could not talk about religion. You could ask the the child to go to church with you as part of the cultural experience, but um, you could not, you know, really speak openly with them about it. I mean, there were there were strict rules on it, and um, I, I knew them at the time, but that was kind of the gist of it. And um, I will tell you that um, I mentioned my grandmother's earlier. So my mom's mom um, taught Sunday school, very godly woman, but in an awesome like non. Um, she lived it. Um, she was kind. She was gentle. She was strong. Um, I believe that God is real because of the faith of my grandmother and, of course, my personal faith. But she walked it. Her mom uh, actually started a church um, in Darnell, Louisiana. So my great grandmother. So I come from a wow. legacy. Yeah. And uh, I come from a legacy of just awesome women, godly women. Um, that means the world to me. So um, I, I do have a strong faith. And so I will tell you, I'll never forget at Christmas, her grandmother sent us a gift and it was a nativity scene. And, um, and so I was excited because her grandmother is Catholic. And, uh, and I said, and so it was sent to us from Spain. And so I said, Ines, you know, I said, this is, you know, this is the nativity scene. Do you know what this means? And, um, and she said, I do not believe in this. Um, you know, this is, this is a story, but it is, it is all made up. You know, I do not believe in this. And I remember, you know, just, you know, kind of saying, okay. And it took me two days. I grieved. It was weird. I was like, it was just like, I was grieving like a loss or something for two days. I grieved. And, um, over that, and, and she doesn't know that to this day. Um, I don't know if I'll ever have the, um, opportunity to kind of share that story with her, you know, I, I, you know, just, it's not, it's not necessary, but I remember just, it means so much to me, 
um, the nativity scene in the story that, you know, hearing her say that grieved me. And, um, so, you know, there was some of it, so it does, it, it does, it has to be lived. Um, so, um, I, I, and you know, it's interesting talking about the conformity thing. So she went to youth group and in her time here in America, I began to see her walls fall, but, um, and she started asking more questions. Like one time we were driving back from Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving was in Mississippi. And she said, just out of the blue, we were like listening to Adele on the radio or something, you know, and out of the blue, she said, I have never heard you and Josh yell at each other. And, um, so I turned the radio down and I said, did y'all yell at at each other at Thanksgiving? Right. (laughs) No, she said, I've never heard y'all yell. Right. So like, well, nobody yelled at Thanksgiving, but I I think like, I think she had heard yelling maybe in some of her, um, upbringings and, um, she, you know, so it was, it was random. And I said, Ines, you know, you know, you know, Josh and I get in disagreements, but there's really no, um, place for for someone to yell back and forth at each other you can have conflict resolution you know just by talking even if you're if you're frustrated you know but there there really shouldn't be yelling and so we kind of got to unpack that and um so hopefully we did live it um hopefully we showed her something different um I still feel like our story with Ines is still being told we still keep in touch um on WhatsApp on the phone and I just sent her a little package um she started school on Monday which is our Labor Day. And um, so I still feel like that story is still being told. She went to youth group while she was here. And um, she started about the, back to the conforming. She started she started changing, asking questions. Uh, there was a part of me that thought she was conforming, and I wondered if it really was her heart because all her, you know, it, we live in the Bible Belt. Yeah. And so sometimes she would say something, and then I would question it back to her um, because I wanted her to not conform but to her to get it you know, for herself, that it would be personal for herself and her own decision. So I'm not, I'm not real sure where she is on that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of maturity on your part to, to hold back. Um, on, you want to pour in and pour in and pour in, but you know, you can't, you can't pour, but so fast. Aness is a pleaser. Yeah. And, um, but so are you, I, I am. Um, but, I also, um, there's a, there's a quote that I used to tell her basically like, um, always ask questions, um, until you, I I can't remember it right now, but it's basically until you land on, land on truth basically. And so I always encouraged her to ask questions. You know, I don't want her to believe in Jesus Christ because I believe in Jesus Christ. I want her, you know, C.S. Lewis was an atheist, you know, and, um, love him. He's one of my favorite authors. So I wanted her to figure it out. I want to be, you know, influential in her life. I'm praying for her, but I, I want her to know it for herself. So, Taking all of all that you're involved in, um, you mentioned earlier that you're involved in a civic club, the Rotarians. So, what drew you to that? I was in my internship with State Farm in Atlanta, and it was a six month internship, and I was flying back and forth. Um, at the time, I was living in Mississippi, and I sat on the plane with this friendly gentleman, Glenn Easter. And he happened to be from Prattville, Alabama. And he started telling me about the Rotary Club. My mom was a Rotarian, so that did have some influence. Um, I knew I wanted to be in a civic organization. You kind of pick one when you go into a town, whether you're going to be, you know, in Kiwanis or whatever. And um, he invited me to the club, and I went to the club, and I loved it. Love the people. Tom is in um, this club, um, and it's just, it's it's, it's great. Great people, um, very community-minded. Uh, I mentioned that I was a morning person. It meets Monday morning at 7 o'clock, so that's right up my alley, as crazy as that sounds. But it's kind of like it starts the week off um, with a great group of people. Um, it's not during working hours, and it just it was I, it was just a fit. What would you tell a young person who's starting out their career as far as being involved in a civic club? Why? Why would they do it? Um, well, 
you know, definitely um, Bill Myers does a great job of this. He's the executive director of the YMCA in, in Millbrook, and he, he really talks about the importance of giving back to your community and getting involved in, you know, the, the quality of our communities. We have, a, we have a direct impact on that. And the investment that we make in the youth in our community and the, uh, whether it's financial giving or picking up trash, um, we just have a direct impact at, and that's just on the quality of life. And when the quality of life is good, then then the people thrive, violence is down. You can look at all kind of you know studies and data. So I, I feel like you do have to have a core of like wanting to serve your community. And I hope to, you know, I hope to to teach that to Ruby to just have a heart to serve others, to look out for the needs of others. So I think you need to find a, an organization that really has a heart to serve the community. And then another side of it is building centers of influence. Um, because most of the people who are involved in civic organizations, I would say, are going to be centers, centers of influence. And that helps you to meet people, form deep, meaningful relationships, and really just live life. And um, I want to be around people who are going to sharpen me and um, encourage me and, again, elevate my thinking. And so you're going to meet um, some really awesome people in your community who are in these um, service organizations. Where do you see for yourself headed? Um, do you see yourself working in the same capacities that you're in today? I mean, I know that you're getting additional certifications and and filling out your product portfolio. Mm-hmm. Is this pretty much where you see yourself headed? Um, it's an interesting question. Um, my mom and dad, I mentioned, are 69 and 67. They moved from Louisiana to Millbrook, Alabama, right before Ruby was born, so two years ago. Um, my heart, so I'm, I'm here um, because my mom and daddy are here, and my heart is to enjoy, and in fact, I've, we talked a lot about Tom. I feel like when you get Tom on this call, but um, one time I heard Tom say um, in his wisdom, if you still have your mom and your daddy, hug them. And um, I, I do. I still have my mom and my dad, and I want, they're a big priority to me. Um, I want to take care of them. I want to love them. In fact, we're building a house right now. I say right now, we haven't broken ground, but um, <laughs> we close on the construction loan. Um, we're building a house on their property. Uh, Josh grew up across the yard from his grandparents. Oh, wow. My dad grew up across the yard from his grandparents. So it's funny because um, my dad and my husband are sentimental about being right across the yard from the grandparents. Okay. And so we want Ruby to grow up across the street from her grandparents. So I would say that I'm here. I'm going to be a State Farm agent for 30, 40 years. Um, so I see myself trying to make sure that I'm the best daughter that I can be. Um, I also want to be a wife, a mom, a friend, and I want to be the best State Farm agent that I can be because I, one, one day I started feeling really overwhelmed with all of this. I got to learn all these Quicken products. I don't do VA, I don't, excuse me, I don't do FHA loans right now. Um, I do VA and conventional loans, and so I got to learn all their products and all their systems. And I just got my Series 65, and so we have a whole new day. So I just felt overwhelmed. And then I started thinking, you know, there are people right now in the industry who feel overwhelmed and they need somebody that they can trust, who's honest, who can give them advice. And so that it brought me courage and comfort to thought to think that I can help I can help people who might feel, might feel overwhelmed, too, you know, and so if I can just study and practice and read then um, I can make a difference. And it is fulfilling to um, see a light bulb go off, kind of like a teacher, you know, see a light bulb go off or, or really solve. We also have, we have great systems that we can help plug in numbers and help people solve problems. Um, I had a lady the other day, she needed to generate $4,000 more in retirement. And is that possible? Could she do it? And so we have the systems and the databases to plug in numbers and look and give her some clear direction on you know how she can do it if she makes these changes and so that's just a really neat thing versus her getting there at retirement age and feeling stuck you know and so it's it's um I I would like to grow our office grow our team I mentioned I I need to hire somebody else um so I would like for for our to maybe add a couple more people um I have a dream of building an office um I don't know if that will ever happen I'll have to you know save and prepare and plan um 
but um, I, I'd like to be faithful in the living th- in the little things. And um, but it is good to have goals and to have dreams and to have a vision. So um, that would be my answer for right now, and to just become more accomplished, um, become a better piano player. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have so much responsibility. Does it ever just stop you in your tracks? It does. Um, and in fact, I um, talked to Tom about it recently. I said, you know, I was looking and I don't take the time off that um, my team takes. I've got a lady here that's been here with me from day one. Two people have been here with me since day one. And so I was looking at their time off and, you know, and I, I don't know that that's the right thing to do to look at that, but I just did. And I don't take off what they take off. So I have a mentor. And I asked her, I said, um, and I actually asked Tom too, I said, is that, is that right? Should I be taking off more? Should I be taking off less? You know, and again, I come from this really, really hardworking family, you know, where my mom like didn't take a day off in 34 years. I mean, it's just like, that's like, a, you don't do that. You know, my mom is also like, you don't need to go out to eat when there's food in the freezer, you know? So she's just like hardcore, like we're going to be practical. We're going to, you know, yeah. and, um, and so I listened to a sermon recently from Ben Stewart. He's the pastor of Passion City Church in Washington, D.C. Um, it's a spinoff of Louis Giglio's, Louis Giglio's church in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And um, in his sermon, it was recently because I was just like, I'm exhausted. Um, I, you know, I'm just exhausted. And uh, Josh said, it's so funny, the sermon this past Sunday, not like a couple weeks ago, was on rest. And he was like, you got to listen to it. So listen to it. And again, the sermon was on a rhythm of rest. And it makes sense. You know, if you don't get your car tuned up, it's, you know, it's going to fail. You know, it's going to crash. So I'm doing better. Um, one thing that we did do differently as an office this year is something called a rotating day off. So everybody in our office gets a rotating Wednesday off. So like I said, we have four full-time team members right now. So and then me is five. So everybody gets a Wednesday off. And um, they have loved it. Now, oh, have yeah. I taken mine? No, most of the time I haven't. And the reason is, is because I get scheduled appointments. But so I'm going to try to start doing that better. Last couple of weeks, I'm doing better. Um, and then, um, you know, actually for me uh, on Sunday to actually rest, because that's what we're supposed to do. It's just hard. Um, and I think part it's of it is easy to have a to-do list. It is very, especially with my personality. I'm type A. And so, um, so again, I, I literally Googled what does rest mean? Um, because I, I, I need to get better at that. I would say that's a weakness that I have right now, um, that I am working through. But, you know, I, I, that Psalm 1 is, you know, basically talks about, you know, the being planted by streams of water. So their leaf does not wither. And, um... I would say in the last couple of weeks, my, my leaves have withered. I've felt tired. I mentioned that I um, spoke unkindly to my parents, which caused me, um, which caused me pain because that's not my heart. Yeah. And um, so, so that's a, that's a, you know, I want to be planted by streams of water, but in order to be planted by streams of water, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be by the water. <laughs> you gotta find the <laughs> you can't water. Can't be in the office. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you have seasons too. So you'll have seasons of, overwhelm you've got products that you have to learn that's right that's right in a in a certain amount of time that's right it's got to roll out but then to be able to step back and be intentional you're intentional about so many things so i guess that has to land on your list to be intentional about um resting Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. well we have covered a lot of ground. Um, I, I do want to go <laughs> yeah. into one thing that, that I meant to say earlier. Um, you mentioned that you are a tea lover. So mm-hmm. you had like a little teapot, a beautifully decorated uh, teapot on your desk. So tea over coffee? Yeah, I love it, right? Um, I definitely drink more coffee than tea. I love coffee. I love the cup. I love flavored coffees. I love original coffee. Um, where I got tea was one thing, If you, you're, you're not supposed to have any regrets. Well, I have, I have, I, I probably have a few, but one of my regrets is that I did not do the London semester in college. Oh. At Mississippi College, they offered to go to London, and I did not do it, but I had several friends that did the London semester. And they, um, came back with teapots and 
tea and we in our dorm room would have you know they would make scones and cookies and cakes and and hot tea and I loved it it was so good so um tea is kind of a um I would say a a treat um in the morning it's coffee but I do enjoy drinking tea and I take and I think teapots are pretty (laughs) That takes you back to your college. That's exactly days. right. There Even though I, I missed out on the whole London experience, <laughs> well, maybe you need to plan that. For I know. One of your I need. Rest. I do, and uh, go to a tea room. I have never been to a tea room in London, but I hear that they are wonderful. So, and Josh <laughs> said he would even go with me. So there you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, we have covered a lot of ground, and I I want to ask you a question. If you have one superpower for one day. What would you want that superpower to be? To heal sick children. Um, One of the things that hurts me the most is to see a sick child. And um, I I would heal all the sick children in the world. I know that's so random and silly. Like, it's probably no. not even, like, you know, fun. But um, that is something that hurts my heart deeply is to see a sick child. Well, I think that, that goes right <laughs> Super back heavy, here. but it's just, well, it goes back I'm a to mom. What and, doing. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's your career mm-hmm. is to help and be a part of a solution. That's right. And so that, I think it makes perfect sense. One, uh, one, one of Ruby's weaknesses is, and I don't know why it is, but every time she gets sick, she coughs. Maybe every two-year-old does that. I'm an amateur mom, but, um, and she will cough her little head off all night. And it is the most heartbreaking thing to hear a child cough all night. And it makes me think about children who have very, very, um, serious illnesses and, um, and how they have parents that are awake all night. And, um, and I just think about, I don't know, I just think about all the children as I stay awake all night, listening to her cough, you know, um, and I've done everything that I can do. Um, and I just, I just have a heart for sick children. And I think we, we, you too, you know, you have friends who have, um, children who are sick, um, or, you know, have, um, serious illnesses. And, um, so that would definitely be without hesitation. My superpower for a day would be to heal sick children or who've walked through times of difficulty and sicknesses. Oh yeah. I, and, and healed forever. Like it would need to be, have a, a superpower of like, yeah. You of, can't, of like, it can't, it can't come go back away in 24 hours. You get to have the residual effect. Well, and then the child can't like get sick again. Like they're, they're healed and they're healed, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like that 24 hours they're, they're healed of these diseases or these sicknesses. Well, they can't get sick good. again. That's pretty good. Well, I understand that because I, you, your child is sick and you just as soon crawl in and take their place. And, Absolutely. and I can imagine a terminal illness or one that's uh, a rather long involved that's the same feeling so I think it'd be a superpower many would appreciate can you think of anything we didn't touch base on that you want to make sure we had we do talk about no I'm just trying to think of a fun superpower that I would like to have (laughs) (laughs) see can you tell I'm not resting like I need to do something fun you know that's right you need to have fun um, kick your heels up anyway to know my fun superpower would be um to have quick access to all of the fun water parks I love to um you know go to water parks that's a fun thing to do there you go that's my quick fun superpower (laughs) do you really I do this has been a joy I appreciate you taking time and and talking with me and sharing with our audience, our international audience. Um, but thank you very much. It's, it's been great, Mandy. You're welcome. Mandy is a joy, and I know you enjoyed listening to this episode. I hope you picked up on some of her people skills and her heart of gold. She has some practical insights, and I'm pretty sure you caught those. I love the words that she speaks out to her daughter daily, and we could all use a dose of positive and encouraging statements to fill our heads. We have insurance needs, and to have somebody that we can trust to help us unpack that leads me right to Mandy. She thrives in this business world. Find Stacked Keys Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast listen. You'll laugh out loud, you'll cry a little, and you'll find yourself encouraged. Join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it, from family to philosophy to work to meal prep toward beautifully surviving life. Song to my own joy.